So when you want to surround yourself by Christians, right? So you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to go by, I'm going to surround myself by other Christians. But then even within that, the there's such a um, disparity between men and women uh, in the singleness realm, right? So there's so many single Christian women and then there's so many less single Christian men. Okay, cool. So now as single Christian women, you're in a church. You're like, cool. I've left the space that felt hopeless. I'm in the church and I'm sitting in a room and I'm looking around and there's 20 single Christian women and there's two single Christian men and they're your brothers. So like, what do you do? So my thing is I want, I wanted to create a platform where we can have conversations like that because I think there's just this like miscommunication on both sides that needs to change. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is episode 13 of 2023, and we are celebrating about 150 episodes. So we decided it was time to, I don't know, kind of ignore the seasons and start some sort of new numbering system, but we haven't figured it out yet. We're in season, I don't know, episode 13. And Misha Watson is our guest today. I'm so excited to have her. She's been on before and uh, we talked to her previously about how she's hosting and producing this amazing national children's television show and this programming that she's doing online for kids. And her new project though is what we have her on for today. And it is all about dating in the digital age. It's a full-time podcast project called My Single Story. And it's all about navigating dating, digital life, online dating, how do we meet people in this age? So it's a fun conversation. I think you're going to love it. Thank you so much, of course, to our sponsors who are making this whole season possible. Compassion Canada, who's been with us for a long time and really grateful for their partnership and believe in what they're doing. They are lifting children from poverty in Jesus' name. And then Scripture Untangled, a podcast by the Canadian Bible Society. I've had the privilege of being part of that from the beginning. And if you haven't checked it out, would love for you to do so. More on them later, links in the show notes. But let me tell you a little bit about Misha and remind you that Misha's previous episode, all our previous stuff, you can subscribe, rate, review, whether you're listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, but YouTube, we would love you to hit subscribe on our YouTube channel so you don't miss what's coming out, but also so that you can connect with us and engage and rate and comment and all that kind of stuff. It helps us know that you're part of the community. It means a lot. So let me tell you a little bit about Misha Watson. She's a host, a director, a writer, a producer. She's originally from England, came to Canada at about 14, 15 years old. So she's got this Canadian British mix of an accent and she's worked in the entertainment industry for 12 years she presented at the Canadian Screen Awards she's been interviewing top chefs across Canada she hosted if you're Canadian you know YTV The Zone we all grew up watching this and these people were like our idols you know we admired them and she was one of those hosts and currently she's the executive producer and host of this brand new podcast what I've called uh, what I've already mentioned to you My Single Story is what it's called it's fun it's music and it's Bible teaching and it's all this kind of stuff all mixed into one like she just did on her Hey Misha Kids program. She's doing the same thing in these conversations on my single story, bringing entertainment and fun and great questions to the conversation. So please enjoy this interview we have with her all about the digital world of dating. Here's Misha Watson. Misha Watson, welcome back to We're Made Digital. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me back, girl. Uh, I felt like it was about time because, mm-hmm. well, I was on your podcast recently mm-hmm. and it made me remember, I just like talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I like talking to you too. I love talking to you. But also it made me realize like what you're doing, I think is actually quite unique uh, what you're building right now. And I think like we should talk about it. Mm-hmm. And even, I, I, and so before we go any further, introduce yourself and then let's, let's go into what your project is, your main project right now. Yes, yes. Hello, everyone listening out there in the world. My name is Misha Watson. I am the creator of the My Single Story podcast. We are all about giving a platform to single women of God, uplifting us, but giving us a space to be open, honest, and authentic. And we've started and we are rolling and rocking and it is a fun experience and I'm excited to talk about it. 
<laughs> so, I mean, there's a number of places I want to go today. Like, I want to talk about podcasting. I want to talk about the world of, like, you come from a world of television mm-hmm. and now you're in this world of podcasting. Like, what's the same? What's different? I want to talk about this topic, though, like singleness. Um, Word Made Digital is not a podcast for single women, but I'm, but I'm, but as one myself, I'm curious that th- there are other single women or just single people listening. Um, who may be interested in like getting behind this and also people who are not single, frankly, mm-hmm. like what's up with this world of like digital dating? People make jokes about the swipe left and the apps, but like, do people really get what's going on there? So I think this is a conversation worth having. Um, okay. Let's, let's go, let's go back. Like, like to just this, this podcast concept as a whole, like you're working in television, you're doing children's television yeah. <laughs> and and now you're like, let's do a podcast for single women. So why? Why now? Yeah. How did this happen? How did this transition happen for you? Yeah, it's wild. So basically for the last eight years, I've been working in children's television. Four years I was working at YTV, super secular television, and then moving over into Crossroads and doing like fully like Bible-based, um, faith-founded um, content. And while doing that, God has been growing my faith and my curiosity into learning more about how to spread the gospel, um, how to tell stories from the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. But while doing that online on my own Instagram, I started sharing about my single story because during my space of, uh, during pandemic, I was like talking about it all the time because I was literally by myself. So my Instagram and my phone was my friend. <laughs> so I started sharing like you a lot me, Like that. you were literally, like you were living alone. Yeah, I was and living so alone. with lockdowns, you were mm. just by yourself. Like yeah, that. all the time. Like yeah. my condo was like this beautiful fortress for me. Mm. But um, I used the, my phone to connect with others. I was like, hey, single women, like, what are we doing? Like, are we, are we good? Like, collectively? And so I started mm. sharing about it. And I came back to work and I spoke with my boss. And I was like, God is doing something in my heart right now. Like, God is like, getting me into a place where I'm confident in being vulnerable about my singleness. That was a shift for me. Huh. I could do the fun stuff. I could talk about the dating side of it, but the, the hardship of it, the lamenting, the loneliness, that the um, feeling let down, the doubt, all that kind of stuff, how that doubt affects my faith and my trust in God, like all those kind of things. I was like, I need to talk about it. And God, I felt like God brought me to a place where I was able to do it on a platform. And I told my boss and she was like, let's figure it out. Cause obviously it's quite a shift to go from kids content. People are so used to seeing me this way. How do I shift to this way? And so yeah. we took quite a while to kind of like curate this idea. What was it going to be? Like, would it be a podcast? Would it be another show? And eventually we boiled it down to, yeah, it needs to be a podcast, but we need to have content wherever the single women are. And they're online, they're on Instagram. Um, they also are on TikTok, which is coming soon, but our main goal was like, let's just go where single women of God are and where women are. And that's what we did. Well, and, and even as you say, as you just listed that, um, when you're talking about platforms, uh, that's the dynamic today that I find so fascinating because sure. Okay. It's a podcast, but it's not just audio. You're also doing video. Mm-hmm. It's not just video. You're also doing like social media. You're creating reels and all this stuff. Um, like it's, it is immediately what what is required of you creating new content mm-hmm. in 2023 yeah. is like be everywhere in all the places. Do you feel like the pressure of that or like, are you just trying to like focus in on a couple? Like, how are you thinking about that side of it? I would, yeah, absolutely. There, there is a pressure to it. I think there's a pressure to feeling like you're missing the, um, or you've missed the gate in a sense. Like you are like, cause the podcast has been around for so long and I was like, well, are we late? You know, a lot of people feel like, are they late? And I know you spoke about on your show yeah. before, are we late to start a podcast? But then I figured out that, you know, statistically, a lot of podcasts don't carry on past season one or season two. I was like, okay, great. So if we have some, if we can create a process that means that my team doesn't get burnt out creating this content, like how, how many things can we do one time and then allow it to live in multiple places? Yeah. So once we figured out that, we knew that we could shoot content um, in a studio that was always going to be there, one, uh, with cameras that shoot in 6K, which means that when we release it in 4K, it's great. But in two, three years, if everyone moves to 6K content, we're already there. So that was really important. 
also while we're shooting, we might frame it as a wide shot, but we make sure that we know what it looks like in a vertical shot so we can shoot it for reals. We also, as we're talking to people, as I'm asking questions, I'm thinking, okay, this will be great for a uh, 30 second reel. Cause I know that even the reels are a minute, I only listen to them for 30 seconds. So I was like, okay, what can, how can I shorten it? And so in the room of our podcast, we actually have my associate producer, Stephanie, and then we have my technical director. And Stephanie, as I hear something in, an, in a podcast, I put my hand on the, on the table. That's kind of a signal to her, because like, you can't see it in the video, but my, a signal to her, hey, that's the timestamp where we're going to have to mm. pull that content right there. And so literally by the end of the day, so we shoot the podcast usually 11 a.m. On, on a Tuesday, by the end of the day, we've already pulled like 20 pieces of content from that one interview and we've stuck the same sting on the end and we've already uploaded it to YouTube. Like we just have found a process so that the team isn't burnt out, but we're be- being as efficient as possible with the content that we're making. Okay. I love this. Even this like behind the scenes on like you have like <laughs> a hand signal. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> well, I think that the piece that you're describing here is taking podcasting to a, to a level that's like sustainable, but also like multi-channel means it actually requires like multiple people on your team. Oh yeah. Um, and I mean, in the same, you know, I, I'm not shooting in 6k over here, but in the same, in the same way for, for, you know, myself, there's like a team of people that are involved in producing this. And so when a lot of people say, oh, I want to start a podcast, what I appreciate is that the reason you can go the distance is because with your background and in, in all this media creation, television, like you're saying like, I actually understand what it's going to take to do this. Uh and to do it long term like it isn't just like me and a microphone in a room there's so much more than that yeah absolutely and because we work at a you know we work at crossroads it's a media organization so we're not only doing the podcast so in order to make sure that when we did the podcast we did it well and out the gate we were high quality we had to start with processes i was like okay we need to figure out a way that we can shoot the podcast edit the podcast and upload the podcast for distribution in a day because if we need to switch gears and we need to help another show, we have a streaming platform. I have my, my, my kids show, Hey, Misha's still going on. All those kind of things. We need to be able to switch gears. We have vacation days, personal days, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like it's a blessing to have full-time staff, but my full-time staff isn't working on this content full-time. Um, also, we wanted to release two pieces of content every single day. That's a right. lot of content. And we've been only shooting for, um, at this point, less than two months. And we have like 130 pieces of content out there right now. That's a wow. lot. But in order to do that, it was all about the process. And when you say two pieces, because like this is the stuff I love to break down here on this podcast. Like, do you mean two pieces on one platform or you mean like we want to put something out on YouTube? We want to put something out on TikTok? Like, or you when you say two pieces, you mean two pieces on every platform or like different <sighs> platforms? Or how are you thinking about like two pieces is a lot. No it is a what, lot. But I'm sure. just curious. Yeah, no. Like, right now it's two pieces of content on Instagram. Okay. It doesn't include the rest of the content. So, for instance, we upload to YouTube, but we don't promote our YouTube account. We're going to do that all at once because um, YouTube has totally different strategies. So yeah. Instagram is all about every day posting, like, what is it, five to ten stories a day. So there's engagement, seeing someone's face in the story so they feel relatable. And then also making sure you have the right hashtags, the right tags, all that kind of stuff in the posts. Then we figured out that Instagram is all about photos again. Cool. Now we got it. So we mix it up. So we're like, okay, let's get a reel where I'm talking and there's my face. But then let's also get a picture that has a really sentimental message. Um, and so we just kind of like mix it up. And then I found out that just recently people care about your grid again on Instagram. I was like, oh, man, you don't even think about that. Okay, let's talk about that. Do you, uh, you know, we're not, none of us are getting younger and the platforms change like all the time. What, like it feels like you make a plan. It sounds like you've made a plan. You're uh-huh. building system strategies, how to get this out. And then like, oh yeah, Instagram's like, now we want photos. Now we want videos. Now we want the, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, do you, I'm just curious of your personality type <laughs> or even your team. Like, does that excite you or is that like we just made a plan and now we have to change it it's so frustrating i mean it varies because some stuff it's like i know we can pull that off so Mm -hmm. i know that um with instagram regardless of where it shifts to i'm on instagram more than any other piece of any other platform um so i have no problem when instagram changes gears for me to follow them but for instance on youtube even though i'm on it every single day every morning i watch something on youtube um when they pulled out shorts, I was like, that felt like a whole new animal because I was like, mm. 
I was so used to trending audio on Instagram reels and so used to, okay, I need a thumbnail, I need a this. And on YouTube, it just looks really different. So it doesn't translate as quick. I thought we could just be like, cool. For instance, on Facebook, let's say, right? Like we don't really have much of a Facebook audience, but we do have a Facebook account because we felt like, why not have that part of the platform? So we released the content on Facebook and it does all right, but we know it does really well on Instagram. What I'm realizing now is the same content doesn't quite work on YouTube. The video does, but the strategy to get it seen by many people is very different. So yeah, there's a bit of a pressure with um, the multi-channel thing, yeah. but not when I'm on the thing I'm comfy with. I have no problem. <laughs> <laughs> As we talk about navigating the world of digital dating, I'm also thinking about the Canadian Bible Society and Scripture Untangled, because that's a whole other thing we need to untangle. For you, does the Bible ever feel overwhelming, confusing, hard to believe? Well, our latest season of Scripture Untangled, which is a podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, is bringing you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers to inspire you to dive into the Bible, untangle, and understand it. You can listen for free and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. You can visit scriptureuntangled.ca for more info. scriptureuntangled.ca. And as always, links will be in the show notes. Um, Because I'm continuing to follow my curiosity, what is the difference you see? I mean, I'm a, I've never created reels or sorry, I've done reels, uh, YouTube shorts. I've never created YouTube shorts. I know more like reels, TikTok. What would you say? Do, are you saying like you can post the same content, but you have to do like a different thumbnail? Like, like what are you finding is what is different about the YouTube thing? Because suddenly we've gone from like 12 minute videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. getting, getting the views to like, you need something that's 30 seconds to even hope that people might find your channel. Yeah. It's weird. Cause, um, remember in the beginning of YouTube, it'd be like, if you had a certain amount of hours watched or a certain amount of subscribers, then you could have a 10 minute video. And now it's like everyone can have a 10 minute video. So we put our whole show on, which is 45 minutes. So we were like, great, it's there. We kind of know how to make that happen. We can put ads on our YouTube video. Uh, Once we get to a certain amount of watch hours throughout the year, we can start monetizing it. We know how to do that part because we work at Crossroads. So here, other people are already doing that. So we were like, we can make that happen. But the shorts are you, you have less less characters on the um, for the caption for the description, so we couldn't use the amount of hashtags we used on Instagram. Right. You also can't add a location. Locations are really helpful because it helps with your demographic, like really narrowing in on them. So that didn't work. Okay, cool. Thumbnails. We usually like having a really souped up, high quality, like glamour photo of our guest for the thumbnail. That doesn't really work on YouTube. Cool. So we're just really trying. I posted a video that was 15 seconds and it was a spoken word video. I got like 1,200 views. I'm like, okay, 1,200 views is good. Um, We posted the same video, just like a different 15 seconds, same energy, same coloring, same hashtag, different, like a fairly different description. I think it got like three views. I'm like, what is going on? So we're still figuring it out. And then on Instagram, it's popping off. Oh, it got like 18,000 views, the same video. I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, some of that is like you're, it's the learning. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of it is playing the game and some of it is like the learning as a change. And some of it is like, you just don't know. Yeah. I'm like, oh, hey God, this is up to you now. Like all of it is kind of like, um, thank you. Like we had no idea that that video uh, is called Daughter of God. Um, I wrote it with my uh, partner here and we uploaded it and we're like, hopefully it does well. 18,000 views, no money added just Mm. within the first week. I was like, amazing. So what do you think it is about that? That like, I mean, obviously you're trying to figure that out. So, um, people connected. And so let's go back to the whole purpose of the podcast itself. Like my single story, like people, 18,000 views you didn't pay for, at least on this platform, Mm. like the Instagram platform is representing like this is resonating. I assume this means people are sharing it yeah. with their friends, yeah. they're saving it, they're looping it. Um, like, they're, I mean, they're watching it more than one yeah, time. Yeah. Um, 
you, you know, the, at one level, that must just fire you up. Like this is something that like is serving mm-hmm. a need. Oh, yeah. But like, what what are you learning through like, or maybe even the feedback from that video? Mm-hmm. Like, what is going on in this world of like you're talking to like, hey, single woman, yeah. like you're seen, you're loved, you're valued. Yeah, like you have a, you have a purpose. You know, whatever, whatever this this amazing it's almost like a spoken word poem. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah, it was. We really niched ourselves. We were like, okay. Yeah. We need to reach single women of God, wherever they are in your journey of God, um, with knowing God. And if you're single, this is who we're reaching. Now, we reach single women of all kinds, whether they were married before and no longer married, whether they had kids or whatever. Like, we reach all single women. But we talk to single women who've never been married before. We don't mm-hmm. dilute the conversation and say, you know, maybe this is your story, maybe this is your We try and narrow in. And when I wrote that message, um, single women of God, we were like, we need to write it to ourselves. <laughs> what do we need to hear? What would encourage us? And so that's how we did it. We, there was a, a hashtag for a while on TikTok called um, lucky girl. I'm a lucky girl. Or I have like a lucky um, affirmations. Like this is me being a lucky girl. It's me being a lucky girl. And I was like, nah, I'm up for that. So we wrote it into the message. Like you are not a lucky girl, but a blessed daughter of the Lord of all. So I wanted women to hear it and go like, oh yeah, I have been hearing that rhetoric a lot. Because like me, they're probably watching the same kinds of stuff on Instagram. So I was like, okay, let's write it in a way that catches them. They know, oh, I know that reference. Um, I have another one coming up where we actually list out all of the couples that I grew up watching. So like Grey's Anatomy, uh, Gossip Girl, like all those kinds of shows, like actually pulling on some of those references to say like, I know these are the stories you've seen in the past. This is what it means to appreciate love, 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 love a romance, but at the same time, trust God with your own love story. Mm-hmm. So being able to do that. And so niching it and saying, this is our girl. This is how old she is. This is like, she likes to, I don't know, go out with the girls, have a brunch day, like all that kind of stuff, really niching out our demographic was, it's been so, so helpful. Yeah. That's so interesting. Right. Because there's this thinking of like them, if you get too specific with who you're talking to, well, you're going to lose the opera. Well, we are, you know, the classic thing I think in the marketing world is of like people who are like, well, who are you trying to reach everyone? <laughs> well, then you're going to reach nobody. Yeah. You know? But what you're doing is you're, you're going in so specifically. And that is where you found like your, the video that hit off at 18,000 views mm-hmm. is your, your, you start it talking exactly to who you're trying to reach. Yeah. You're not like, Hey, all you women out there or Christian women or, you know, you're going like single girl. Yeah, literally that. And it's been such a blessing because even for the girls who are dabbling in their faith and are kind of like, hmm, I know there's more to life. When they listen, we talk about God as a matter of fact foundation. And I think that's also helpful because it's uplifting to them. They're like, oh, there's more to this journey of knowing who God is. So mm-hmm. we're not necessarily there going like, you know, you need to know who you're going. We're not necessarily there, sorry, um, ministering to them in a way that's about their salvation necessarily. Um, we talk about our day-to-day lives, but by nature of talking honestly and telling our story, which is why it's called My Single Story, was because I wanted to just talk vulnerably and allow them to see themselves in parts of my story and my guests. Yeah. So... Uh, what are, you know, what are you seeing as like the state of affairs, if I may call it that? Like, mm. what is up with the world of single? I mean, because we're talking about single women for you. So I'm thinking I, I go more like broadly single men and women just because yeah. men and women listen to my podcast. But broadly, like, where are we at with this whole singleness thing? Can we go into that world of like online dating? Mm-hmm. Take that where you want to go. Let's start. And then, you know, I'll, it can ask the follow-up where questions. Where are we at with what the is, states where of are singleness? We, where are we at? And what are you hearing from people? You know, maybe that's a more helpful way. Like, as like not just for yourself, but mm-hmm. like you're making this podcast for a community of yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of, going on? This, this is the main thing that kind of like is a bell in my head is that there's a lot, a lot of hopelessness. A mm, lot. Wow. Now, the thing is, is that like in the millennial generation, Um, I'm not speaking specifically to Christians, just the millennial generation as a whole, getting married later on in life is the the trend. Um, You got, went from, from, when it went from baby boomers down to Gen Xs down to us, there was just less people getting married in their twenties, getting the ring by spring in university, all that kind of stuff. Those trends are kind of going by the wayside in the millennial generation, right? I imagine the next generation is going to be quite similar. Um, And so people who are 
who really truly desire to be married and want to be married and be able to have kids and that kind of stuff and would prefer it in their early 20s or sorry, in their 20s or in their late, uh, early to late 30s. Um, because there's not that trend overall in, I'd say, North America, um, there's a hopelessness. Like, well, when I look from to my right and my left at the bus stop or my right and my left at a restaurant, just to everyday people, people aren't getting married as quick as possible. They're not getting married as often. They're moving in, they're having families, they're getting common law um, connected, but they're not necessarily doing the whole, like, yeah, I do, I do. And so you feel a bit lonely in it. So when you want to surround yourself by Christians, right? So you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to go by, I'm going to surround myself by other Christians. But then even within that, the, there's such a um, disparity between men and women uh, in the singleness realm, right? So there's so many single Christian women and then there's so many less single Christian men. Okay, cool. So now as single Christian women, you're in a church. You're like, cool. I've left a space that felt hopeless. I'm in the church and I'm sitting in a room and I'm looking around and there's 20 single Christian women. And there's two single Christian men and they're your brothers. So like, what do you do? Like, what do you do? And that's literally the story for so many women. I've spoken to people, women of all different ages. And they're just like, even in my church scenario, I'm the only one. Um, also, uh, going to a conference, let's say. You're like, okay. Like, I know for me, sometimes I have to pray. Hey, God, like, I'm going to this conference. Like, I want it to be more about the fact that I could meet my husband. And about the fact that I want to have a revelation from you. So like, I ha- please yeah. help me focus my mind and heart. But when I go yeah. to this conference, if I do see a cute guy, what's the next step? He's so worried about consent. He never even walks up to me. So now I have to yeah. walk up to him. I don't want to do that. Why? Because I want a man who can lead. Cool. So then you're at the, the stalemate. What do we do? Um, so my thing is I want I wanted to create a platform. We can have conversations like that because I think there's just mm-hmm. this like miscommunication on both sides that needs to change. Yeah. Well, and uh, I think it's interesting too. And then this dynamic, of course, of when you talk to previous generations or even just like the cycle, we kind of understand the psychology or the sociology around like what relationships are best formed, trust is best built by like doing things together, Mm -hmm. being around each other in like longer periods of time. And yet, and yet the exact opposite is the nature of this online dating world where it's a picture, a short profile on somebody they may or may not even be a real person. Yeah. And, and, and you assume that you hope that they are a real person. But then from there, you're making like a flash judgment. Yeah. There's always another one. There's always another opportunity after that. But you're not you're not basing a decision on your interest in someone on like social ties, cultural, tribal groups. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like community. Uh, yeah, like, you're not. It's like, there's nothing you're not like on a, you know, like the classic story of like people who meet at college or meet on the mission trip or yeah. whatever it may be. They meet doing something together in a social group. Yeah. Um, even if it's like you met at the bar, mm-hmm. you all understood what it meant to be there that night with your friends, with their friends. There's something you're learning about them just mm-hmm. from being in that place. But this this online world you're, is even more challenging then. And then, oh, I agree. How do you how do you think like whether for yourself or just in general? Like what are what do you hear women saying or what do you think you're around this like online thing? Do you think it's like a net positive? Is it negative? Like, mm. do you think, uh, like, do you hate it? Do you love it? What's, I don't know. Like, what is it a love hate relationship you have? It's a hundred percent a love hate relationship. That's yeah. how I can put it because, um, so many of my friends and women I've connected with because of this podcast have said to me, um, so I was on the app. And then I deleted it four days later. That's like the uh-huh. common understanding is I went on it for the dopamine hit, got it didn't find a guy that I wanted to go on a date with. And so that was it. The sad thing about the app is that, or sorry, let me say the great thing first. The great thing is if you've never had a, an experience to of going on a date, because I've actually, I was like, oh, I thought everyone like went on dates when they were like 17. No, they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. But being able to go on date, that's a really great way of doing it because um, the people on the app want to go on dates. Now, I believe in dating with intentional intentionality, right? So it's not like you should just be going on a date for the sake of it. But you can kind of assume that on a dating app, people are looking to go on at least a date. So even if you're like brand new and trying to figure it out, like how, because also let's say for instance, young adults, right? You're not supposed to be together. Don't, don't hang out together. Bible study, women, men, we're all separate. And then it's like, cool, go get married. And they have no clue how (laughs) to like be in the same room or communicate with each other. 
And so there's that confusion about how do I date? How do I do this in a way that honors God? Being on a dating app means you can go on a date and meet someone and learn how you are on dates, what you're nervous about. You can pray more intentionally about how God can prepare you for dates, that sort of thing. So that's what's really great about it. What I've realized lately um, on dating apps is that I don't give anyone a chance who doesn't quite match up to what I think I need. Hmm. And how many times, and I'm always asking married people their love story because I'm a romantic through and through. And I'm like, how did you guys meet? They're like, oh, I would have never guessed this would be my guy. I would have never guessed. And I believe that it's because there are things we don't know about ourselves that could be revealed in our partner. And on a dating app, you just swipe left on a person who doesn't quite match up. And I just Mm -hmm. wish I could give people more of a shot, which is why I'm like pairing online apps with in-person events. Like I've just recently started going to um, speed dating, et cetera. We'll get into that. Um, Has been really beneficial because I get to mix it up a little bit. I feel like I'm in control on an app and then on a speed dating and in person, I'm like a fish out of water and I can't swim. Mm. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, there's a there's a guy that I've been watching a little bit of the content from on social. He's a psychology professor, has, you know, huge, huge following on social media. And he's talking about sort of like the sociological, like what's happening with men and sort of his concerns around men and, and some of this stuff too, like just what you said, this idea that women are ignoring on these apps, like the bottom... 80 to 90% of men on the apps. And by bottom, I mean like that's most people. It's not really the bottom. It's most people. And so there's like this 10, basically he's talking about this phenomenon where on digital content, there's like 10% of the men who are getting all this attention and they have all these options. And then this other 80, 90% are feeling like incredibly frustrated by their lack of options. And then women are, and women are out there complaining like they just can't find a good man, Mm -hmm. but like they literally ignored statistically like a huge amount of people who they might have actually had like a happy partnership with, but off of like these superficial things, uh, yeah, like, like they don't know how to take a photo or something. And so, so like you just ignored them. And then these few guys are getting all the attention and all the dates when like, they may not actually be someone you're compatible with. Oh, so for fascinating. sure. It, it's fascinating. Um, on both sides, I feel like it's partly to do with the fact that we don't get each other. Like we don't understand what each other's looking for. Mm. Cause often when I speak to guy friends of mine, I'm like, well, this is how I interpret this profile. He's like, really? Oh, you're kidding. They became that joke about like, why are men always posting dead fishes on their profile? Like they go fishing yeah. and they hold up a photo. Okay. Well, when I'm as a girl, when I go to brunch, I'm taking a photo, bust up photo at work, selfie. I'm taking photos all the time. So when I'm ready to set up my profile, I've got a plethora to choose from. But a guy really only takes, well, not every guy, but a lot of guys always take photos when they're with their friends. Yeah. So they go fishing, they go golfing. So that's what fills up their profile. So when we're looking at the profile, we are looking at it from our own lens saying like, well, I took a photo of myself with friends, no makeup on, doing brunch and being all casual. Another one at Bible study showing that, the, and it's like, we look at it that way. But um, a guy is like, I just didn't even have any photos of myself. I don't my even phone. have, the only photo I have is that time I went fishing. That's it. <laughs> and so I was like, my, and this is my little brother telling me that I got, oh, it's like, it blew my mind. I was like, we need to have more conversations. I think yeah. there's a missing point. Um, I do think that, you know, there is that shallow side on, there's a shadow kind of swiping on both sides, but I think there's just a miscommunication about what the profile means on the female side and on the male side. And we're just kind of missing the mark with each other. Because I, as I said, I show my profile to my guy friends and they're like, oh, this is like amazing. But like, I would never swipe right on you. I go, why? They go, every photo is souped up. Every photo is high quality. Every photo is this. So I'm, I feel a bit insecure about that. I'm like, what? Huh. So I thought posting photos of myself, no makeup, but looking amazing would be great. He's like, if you look more plain, maybe I would swipe right. I'm like, that's crazy. That's crazy. I want to talk to you about the work of Compassion Canada for a minute because I think that transformation can feel like a buzzword. Uh, What does transformation even look like? But one place that I have seen transformation so evident is in the stories of former Compassion-sponsored children. That's the graduates or you could say the alumni of Compassion's programs who are adults now and they're telling stories of how sponsorship impacted them. Like Rhea, I've met her myself 
myself. And she's originally from the Philippines and she was sponsored as a kid. And she said that knowing someone cares about you, someone who's never met you, it changes you. And Rhea's story is a powerful highlight about how sponsoring changed her life. It built Christ-like confidence in her. It broke cycles of poverty in her family. And today she's a passionate advocate for kids because she was that kid. And now she sponsors a child in her own same community where she grew up. It's this amazing way that she is now part of the solution of breaking those cycles for other people. You can see how child sponsorship transforms lives and you can see more of Rhea's story or all these other alumni who are talking about how it impacted them. And you can learn more about child sponsorship at compassion.ca slash if only compassion.ca slash if only and the link will be down in the show notes. Okay, now back to the conversation with me, Misha. Wow. But that's how he sees so it. It's, yeah. And, and that's, you know, this classic thing around the digital world, whether we're talking about like social media addiction or you're talking about this digital dating thing, uh, it's, it's a first generation of of these things. Like no yeah. one has been, you know, we get a driver's license, we get trained in how to drive. It's this powerful tool out on the road. We can, you know, really harm some people. And yet like we have this powerful tool in our hand uh, every day, whether we're using for dating apps or a thousand <laughs> other things. And like no one has actually taught a generation how to use it because we're the first, the millennials, wow. that's what we are. That's what the nature, that's the definition of it. Like this first generation to actually fully embrace online digital life and no one has been able to guide us. And now we're kind of like trying to play catch up. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. You think it means this, but I'm telling you it means this. And like, you're missing this opportunity because you're missing, you're misinterpreting what's going on or like oh, yeah. you feel discouraged. Although you get your dopamine hit and then you quit because you didn't find so like, there's all these dynamics of like, like we're like drunk driving on, <laughs> on dating apps and like nobody thinks that's a good idea in the car and we all had to get like trained in how to drive proper you know all that absolutely so- it's so funny because it's super insightful the fact that we are the first generation of that because i told someone recently i was on a dating app at 16 16 right. wow and it okay. wasn't a dating app like how they are now where it's like literally like do you want to go on a date but it was this thing called t.wire and i okay. lived in markham but it was like a toronto website that everyone is kind of like myspace but you'd make a website and then you would like kind of put like a love letter on it and you had like one photo and i met my very first boyfriend on that like website i've never heard of this oh yeah like i've literally run the gamut i've done the t.y plenty of fish high five friend stuff like i did the whole way through and they were about making friends for sure but have you christian mingled yes i have Yeah. Again, I think I'm missing. Okay. You know what this is issue too? This is my issue. This is my personal issue. Let's get personal for a second. I am a television producer, right? I make Mm. content. So when I see a photo and it's like grainy or pixelated, the thing in me that's like, we need to fix that is so loud. So I do know that I'm part of the shallow crew. Who's like, why didn't you just take another photo? Like, this is not acceptable. Um, so that's kind of been my issue on Christian mingle. That's what I saw a lot of was guys who were putting their whole heart out there and saying, this is the Bible verse that I love. This is one that means everything to me. And they would be like, say all this stuff and it was like paragraph after paragraph and I'm like this could have been edited he spelt that wrong make sure this is and I'm like Misha you need to get yourself out of that brain um yeah but I think there's also this one thing that we've been hearing a lot of lately which is men are worried that girls won't find them funny (laughs) and then girls are worried that men are gonna murder them (laughs) like those two dichotomies I go who said that like what was that quote but I do think there's like a I do think I know there is a stronger buy-in when a woman goes on a date than when a man goes on one. We're not only thinking about being on the date or whatever, but we're also thinking about our own safety. So we're reading so much into those pages, way more than I think um, guys happen to be. And obviously this is all generalization, but um, that's the Well, even the I sense get. of humor thing, that's like when, when men say they want a woman with a sense of humor... Um, that means something different than when a woman says it. When a woman says, I, I'm looking for a man with a sense of humor, means they want to laugh and be funny together. But when a man says it, they what they mean is they want 
the woman to find them funny. Like yeah. they want a woman who will laugh at their jokes. Where when a woman's like when a woman says I'm looking for a guy with a sense of humor, it's more just sort of generally someone who who would laugh, laugh. in oh, general, sure. not specifically at their own jokes. Oh, for sure. Um, so That's yeah, there are these like constant disconnects. But let's go there because this is a p- place I was hoping we could get in the conversation before we end. Is this idea of you talked about you're the producer. Um, you know, you're looking at it through this lens, but I'd like to go a little bit, um, higher up on this. There's this whole thing about, um, being a face on camera, which I'm sure affects your dating life as you've already kind of mentioned. Um, (laughs) but then the, the broader thing about, um, um, we talked about before we record this idea of Misha as a voice that now people are listening to because you have a camera and a microphone and access to that stuff. And like, should people be listening to you? Like this thing, I don't mean, oh, I don't yeah. mean like, I'm not questioning it myself, but this <laughs> idea of um, what happens when we go in front of cameras and media and we, you know, before we hit record, we were talking about like Christian musicians who have these scandalous, sketchy things going on yeah. and we love their music. What do we do with that? How do you navigate that world of being someone who's putting out content, who people are looking to for encouragement advice, but like you're a normal person, yeah. you're not a pastor. Mm-hmm. Let's just start there. You're not a pastor. Nope. And I never people Bible looking, And people are looking at you for... Mm-hmm. Um, like care and spiritual support yeah. of some kind. Yeah. Let's talk about that. There is a burden for sure of right now in my life where because I'm the one on the podcast, I'm the one on the platform, I'm the one on the TV show, the panel, whatever it is, talking about my faith and my walk, that people think that I have the, I know I'm the be all and end all. Like they should like frame their Christian walk on mine. And that burden has become such a loud thing in my life as of late because I'm speaking so vulnerably about my life. Now, what I decided to do was um, similar to what a musician would do when they, when they are songwriting, they're going through something and then they write about it and they make a song about it so that you see some, you relate to them a little bit. That's what I've decided to do um, is a hundred is right. Is um, I pull things from my actual diary, my actual journal that aren't curated, that aren't, Mm -hmm. you know, edited um, that are just honest feelings about when I am confused by God or I feel like God is not listening to me or I feel like God has let me down. Those kinds of conversations I talk about. And I don't always end it with a bow on the end because I'm, mm. I'm literally in it right now. And that's why it was important for me to make the podcast while I was single because I will be married. I, I believe that with all my heart. But right now I wanted to share with them that like in this moment, I do not have it all figured out, but this is how I'm doing it. And I would love to find out how other women are doing it too. I will say though, as the podcast um, host, there is, and as a producer on other shows and things like that, um, people have been inviting me to do speaking engagements, right? So like, oh, hey, I'd love you to keynote our conference. I'd love you to do whatever that is. And I'm talking to God about it. I'm like, okay, God, like, should I do this one? Should I do this one? And the overwhelming message from God is like, I want you to feed on my word. I want you to feed on my word. I want you to Mm. pick up my Bible and be excited to read it and to develop your understanding of my word. And so for me, the most important thing is if I get a platform, then I'm using it to direct people back to God. That's not them directing them to me and my story necessarily, but it's directing them back to the source because then it's not about me, right? Right. Um, I do feel though that as a, public figure, some really, it was really weird to say that. Um, but as a public figure, if I do something, let's say I go to a bar and take like 20 tequila shots or something like that. And then I <laughs> do something ridiculous on like a, whatever. Um, if that were to happen, let's say, right. Uh, I mean, you'd end up in the hospital for sure. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Cause I'm, I've, I've not shot since, since I've got saved literally, like it's been so long, but literally like <laughs> Just for those people who don't know, I got saved again at 20. So that's kind of like, I did have that experience earlier on. But anyways, if that were to happen, um, I have people in my life, actually something you mentioned, my board of directors, my personal board of directors, who I'm accountable to. So that's really important to me, people who aren't yes people. So as a public figure, I can still um, do what I believe God has called me to do and make put my face on something and say like, hey, listen to what I have to say. God is speaking through me. But at the same time, when I make mess up, when I mess up, that there's an accountability there and that 
when I mess up, it's not going to hurt someone else's journey. Because that's mm. something I always think about when a pastor messes up in some way really publicly, that there's always that, the number two, the person who's right beneath them, like them, they're being mentored by, who it shakes their actual faith. Yeah. And my 100%. thing is, I, what can I do to protect that? And there's not yeah. a, foolproof, a foolproof plan, but that's really important to me. Who am I actually mentoring? Am I always, when I get on the mic, explaining that I'm not a perfect person, but not even just saying it? Am I telling you the story of how I'm not a perfect person? Because you'll always hear pastors say it from the pulpit, like, oh, I'm the, I'm the first one to say I'm not perfect. I go, cool, give me the receipts. <laughs> give me the receipts. Right. I want to yeah. know. Okay. That's my as main much thing. As, yeah, as much as we can, like, uh, how do we how do we draw the connect? How do you connect those dots for people? Yeah. You know, I don't think, I think some people are a little overshare, but yeah, I know <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I just, honestly, it's, it's been a while and I'm still figuring out how yeah. to um, share my story and also protect parts of my story. Cause not everyone deserves to hear your testimony, every part of your testimony. Cause this, I'm still a work. My testimony is still a work in progress, but yeah. um, I'm blessed to be able to share this singleness story and, um, just help other women not feel alone in it. Um, you know, I told a story recently about how my 32nd birthday, so about a year ago, I had to go to a wedding and on my birthday, as a single person, going to a wedding where you don't really know anyone, you have to sit at a table by yourself or, or with people you don't know, I had, it was like the worst, most stressful time going in and I had horrible thoughts about having that experience. But mm. God spoke to me in that time and helped me in that time and comforted me in that time. But I had to tell a real story. Like at that time I told it, it only just happened a couple months ago. So I wanted to make it clear. It's still a work in progress. And so am I. And here are the receipts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. I think there's this, even if we're talking about back to the conversation we've had around social media and what's trending, what I'm, what I'm seeing from both what resonates with me personally, but also experts I follow and watch and try to learn from on TikTok and social media in general is this idea of we have to decide are we are we going to tell the story from like we're like the mentor guide above we've already passed it mm. and we're telling you how to get to where we are on the up the mountain or we're like we've gone through that past come or are we like wanting to position ourselves as like the journeyer beside like we're walking the trail together and mm. sharing stories along the way and each person has something to offer the other and long story short you can take either approach it's neither, yeah. neither is wrong um but what i'm seeing a trend of hashtag trending <laughs> and hash saying hashtag trending is not trending i'll tell you that don't do that you sound like an old person but i literally saw this as like the trend like the trending page on on tiktok is um is the accounts that don't talk down but talk beside uh, are accounts that seem to be getting resonance with people right now where there isn't anything actually wrong with being the guide ahead who's saying, I've been here, let me tell you how to get there. That's fine. Yeah. And actually a lot of Christian teaching comes from that way. But mm -hmm. I think people are, are also feeling very lonely yeah. and feeling very tired on the journey of life. And so the accounts that are saying, here's what worked for me. I'm not saying this is like the five-step plan of how it'll work for you. Uh, and actually that is the kind of content I've often created on social with Word Made Digital is like the teaching content. Mm -hmm. But what I'm seeing and what I'm being challenged by is what you're saying. Is this like, if you can come alongside and do the journey together and say, here's how it's working for me. If there's something from that you can take for yourself, yeah. that's great. But I'm not trying to be perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to be your guru, guru your mentor. Yeah, you your don't pastor. want me as that. I'm on the journey with you. It's your single story. It's right. my single story, whatever, yeah. as your podcast is called. And it seems like that kind of content is really resonating with people because we have enough people ahead of us telling us what to do. What we actually want is a friend on the road. That's it. I just want to make sure that every woman who listens feels like they have a friend in me mm. and that whatever they say, it's not going to be anything that I'm super surprised by because I'm there too. Like I had that thought that was, I give, I call it my dirtbag moments where I say something or I think <laughs> something where I'm like, oh, I should probably not tell anyone I thought that. I've been telling them. I'm like, mm -hmm. here's the side of me that um, maybe we share. 
and here's how God is speaking to me. Here's how I'm being convicted. Uh, Holy Spirit is convicting me with by that or uh, for that. Um, I want to do that. I want to be on the journey with single women because my singleness journey doesn't end the day I get married. There's still so much that happens after spending so long as a single woman. And then you, you if you get married, if that's part of your story, there's still those parts of you that remember what it was like to be single and you hold on to those, the fears, the learnings, the whatever. You got to always pick like what, uh, mm-hmm. what you eat, like what you order for dinner. Like yeah. if you're going to like your Uber Eats order, like if you want Thai food, you're getting Thai food. You don't have to negotiate that with anybody. I love that. And the one day I'm going to have to compromise. I'm going to have to be like, you know what? How about we do what I want for five days and you for two? You know, like one day I'll have to do that, you know, that's and that's it. okay. I mean, I mean, that's your, I mean, I'm not sure that's your best advice that you've given today, but I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I'm an empathic person. When it comes it's to my food, let me tell you right now, we ain't playing well, you around. you know what you're going to do. You're going to get two different orders and that's how you're going to have a happy household. You're yeah. just going to get two Uber Eats orders and just call it what it is. If they yeah. want pizza and you want Thai food, you're just going to get two orders. Yeah. Um, Visha, when um, people want to check out what you're doing right now, mm-hmm. the latest content, where do you want to send people online right, uh, to find you? And knowing that this is going to be coming out like spring 2023, maybe there's like new places you want to encourage us to go, but where do you want to send us? Well, I want you to follow my journey because a lot is happening and I'm really excited about what God is doing in so many realms of my life. So follow my Instagram at I am Misha. Everything is there. Everything's fed through there. So I would love to get to know anyone who's interested in finding about my single journey, but also if they want to meet, they want to have me at their conference speaking and journeying alongside as opposed to being the, I don't know how to explain it. But anyways, follow me on Instagram at I am Misha. I am Misha. Well, uh, Misha Watson, thanks so much for joining on Where Made Digital. I love our chats. I love running into you at some of these conferences. I think you challenged my own thinking on some of the stuff in some really fun ways. Um, in important ways. And I hope you're doing that for a ton of people. I love uh, the content you're putting out on social right now. So people need to uh, go find you. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks, girl. Misha Watson, always a fun conversation. I never really know where it's going to take us. Uh, It's always a little bit fun and a surprise. And that's what you're going to get if you check out her podcast too. But next week on this podcast, we're rounding out this run of episodes with someone named Andrew Noble. He's a thinker, well-read, incredibly well-read on the issues of technology and digital and how this affects us and how we should think about that as Christians. So he has a podcast as well. The podcast is called, I love this, not WWJ. D, what would Jesus do? But what would Jesus tech? And so that's who we're going to be talking to next week. And he is thoughtful, intellectual, and wrestling through these issues of our time. So hope you enjoy that conversation next week. Thanks to our sponsors, Compassion Canada, Lifting Children from Poverty, in Jesus' name, and the podcast Scripture Untangled by the Canadian Bible Society. Amazing content from them as well as we wrestle through how to understand Scripture for ourselves. So see you on the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends, send us a message, comment. We would love to hear from you. It helps us know. I love running into people who are listening to the podcast, but it helps us know when you comment, rate, review, all that kind of stuff, who's out there listening. And uh, we just love to get your support in that way and make more podcasts that you want to hear. We love your feedback. All right. See you, my friends, next week on Word Made Digital with Andrew Noble.